Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome home. I am so glad that you're here. I want to take a minute and just say thank you uh, for all of your comments because really they help us help the video get seen by more people. And that's ultimately the goal is to help as many people as possible and help them do what? Well, help them break free from codependent behaviors and dysfunctional cycles that keep us from having the life and the relationships that we truly deserve. So education is key, awareness is the first step, and so many of my videos are dedicated to giving you the education that you need to kind of see the problem clearly because I believe once we can have that awareness, then everything else can start to fall in place after that. And Obviously, the program that we offer called Life School, which stands for Love Yourself First Empowerment School, is the solution to these problems. And uh, when you allow me to come alongside of you and work with you in a mentorship position, uh, everything changes. You know, you, you start to unravel those patterns of dysfunction, all the root lies that you believe about yourself that are preventing you from having the love and life you deserve and really empowering you and equipping you to um, finally have your turn, <laughs> right? I mean, when is it your turn? If it's not now, then when is it, right? So today we're gonna talk about another one of my attachment personality patterns. And that has been my way of describing codependency, which is just a way to function and dysfunction. You know, you're born into a family dynamic that you know isn't healthy, it's dysfunctional, it's toxic, could be addicted, any number of situations, even sick, even if you had an unhealthy parent or a single parent home and anything where um, it felt a little out of control is how we'd start to develop these personalities as a way to survive, thrive, connect, or cope in this family dynamic. It's personality development 101, you know? Uh, so beyond the genetic components that you come with, it really is an attempt to fit in where sometimes you can feel like you certainly don't belong. And if that's a dysfunctional family, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? So the controller, let's talk about the origin of that personality. How does a controller develop? Where does it come from? Well, you know you're a controller, first of all. If you tend to be hypervigilant, you think that the only person that you can count on is yourself. So you tend to try to convince other people how to think, feel, or behave. A controller can sound a lot like a hero, you know, cause they can act kind of the same, like the fixer and the controller, how do I know which one I am? A fixer really has this benevolent kind of core, which is I really wanna help people because it's the right thing to do. And I believe that everybody has this wonderful, valuable, uh, person inside of them and if the fixer just comes along they can unleash the fullest potential a controller really believes that people are stupid uh really believes that i can't help this person figure it out like a fixer would i have to do everything myself and screw that person because they're not going to be able to do anything because they're incompetent anyway do you see the difference? <laughs> so it's kind of like a controller leads nine times out of 10 with anger, deep-seated anger or fear or frustration where a fixer personality leads more from love. Now with that said, a fixer leads from love and a controller leads from fear. 
if the controller can really, if it's if it's a really unhealthy controller, they can go all the way to like a pathological type of person. Uh, you know, a narcissist and some controllers, I mean, become abusive. You know, not all controllers are abusive people, but all abusers are controlling people. Okay, so not all controlling personalities end up abusive, but all abusive people are controlling to some degree. And so I want to just for the sake of this video and the origin of it, really make that delineation between an abusive person and just a controlling person. I'm not dealing in pathology, which is over here. I'm dealing in patterns, which is a more benevolent, even though it's rooted in fear, its aim is not to be abusive at all whatsoever. And if you are in an abusive relationship, I really want to encourage you to seek out the hotline.org. The work that I do you know, I'm not gonna, I don't work work with people that are inside of abusive dynamics. In fact, sometimes if people schedule a consultation with me and they come in and they're in it, I say I'm the wrong one. You need to call the domestic violence support line. You need to take steps to get out of that. When you're in crisis like that, it's, you need other therapeutic interventions. I'm more for people that are high functioning, that are, you know, have reached a certain level of success psychologically and emotionally and spiritually and financially in their lives, but they still find they're enacting these patterns and they're really holding them back and that's the difference between pathology and patterns uh, sickness and um, uh, patterning okay therapy and coaching and that's really the difference that I just want to delineate so I'm really speaking to that more benevolent person you know you're a control freak or you know you're in a relationship with a control freak who's not necessarily abusive but you want to come out from the thumb of that person you feel like they do have a hold on you a lot of people that I do work with um, are in addicted relationship dynamics where that person is psychologically abusive. So I guess the, the distinction that I'm making is if you're in a physically abusive, dangerous situation where you're being hurt or somebody is really, you know, um, hurt, like, yeah, hurting you, then you need to just click out of this video and go to the domestic hotline, the hotline.org and get that direction that you need. So I'm hoping I'm making that distinction a little more clear. I do work with people that have escaped abuse and now they're finding they're still enacting the same old self-destructive patterns. And uh, hopefully that makes a little more sense for you. Okay. So let's get into it. Where does it come from? Well, everybody's point of origin is a little bit differently, but these personality patterns usually erupt from a few significant milestone moments in your life where you learn that you cannot count on anybody else and you better take control of the situation or shit is going to hit the ever loving fan. And so it's born out of this sense of desperation. A lot of control freaks grew up in extremely chaotic households where one parent was addicted or out to lunch and they felt like they had to be in control of everything because if they weren't, bad things were going to happen. And that could be a number of things for you. Why is it important for you to pinpoint that? Because I think we lie to ourselves and we, we just think, well, this is just the way I am. I'm just a very controlling person. You're born into the world actually totally dependent. You control nothing when you come into the world, correct? You come in, you are at the mercy of the per people who have birthed you, okay? And you come in and you rely on people for food, you rely on people for clothing, you rely on people for emotional connection, you rely on people for everything. But if you get the message, well, that ain't coming, 
or that's not going to be the okay, then you get the picture, oh, okay, I have to be in control of any, everything. I need to be hypervigilant and compulsively self-reliant because nobody's going to meet my needs. Now, compulsive self-reliance is something that controllers live out on a daily basis. What is that? Well, I first came into, into contact with that terminology. One of my mentors that I mentored under for many years, Phil Diaz, and his partner, Patricia O'Gorman, wrote a book called The 12 Steps to Self-Parenting. And it's geared towards people of uh, adult children of alcoholics. It's a great book. You should pick it up. But it talks about this compulsive self-reliance. And for me, it was like the light bulb went off. That's the origin of the control pattern is this thought in our minds that it's up to me. Nobody else is going to do it. And usually in a very fearful situation. So I remember for me, you know, my dad growing up with an alcoholic, beautiful man, you know, I think sometimes we think, oh man, it's just so bad, but th there is good, right? Everybody's a mix of light and dark, of good and bad. And there are many wonderful qualities about my dad. And I wish I could make a whole video and tell you how wonderful he was, but that's not the purpose of this video. The purpose of these videos is to help you sh help shine awareness on the impact of addiction on grown ass adults. So the stories that I'm gonna share with you are the times where I was scared, or the times where I was hurt. And those stories are the thing that's going to help you turn a light on. And it's my intention to help you through these stories, not to defame somebody's character, not to hurt anybody, but to share the perspective so that the lights go on in you. And ultimately you stop repeating those patterns with the next generation. I am hopefully raising up a generation of cycle breakers. Amen. And that is the goal. Okay. So my dad, as an alcoholic, drove drunk a lot. And as a kid, I, he never went anywhere without a beer between his legs. That was the, that was just how life was. You got in the car with dad, there was going to be six packs involved and whoever called shotgun would sit next to him and he would go, he would stop many times throughout the day and go through the drive throughout drive through back then they had one at a place called the brass rail. And so he'd pull up to the drive rail, uh, the brass rail and get um, a six pack and put it in a brown paper bag and put it down by this down beside the person that's in the front. And you know how it would go is first of all, I'm living and I'm growing up in, in the outskirts of Pennsylvania, right on the border of West Virginia and Pennsylvania, where everything is like hills and mountains and everything was like the roads were rickety rackety, right? The coal trucks and everything that would go with these big potholes and things. And, and everything was in the hills and the hills of, of Pennsylvania and the hills of West Virginia and guardrails were sparse. So a lot of the time on, on these roads, there would be no guardrail and what looked like to a five-year-old as a cliff, like, oh shit, if you go off the road, you're dead. Now I still go back home and visit. And I have to tell you when I'm driving on these roads in the snow, that intrinsic panic comes back where the, you know, the trauma lives in the body. I'm driving, I'm like, holy shit, we're going to wreck, you know, and we're not, but I remember that feeling a lot. Whoever sat up front with my dad, he would grab a beer, wrestle around, try to, first of all, taking his eyes off the road just to try to find the beer. I wrecked once that way, reaching for a cigarette, by the way, PS, ran into the back of an 18 wheeler. And that's how this scar happened. This is the review mirror that went through my head. So, hey, we've all done it, okay? <laughs> but he would, he would get his beer, he'd open that can of beer and down it. 
down it and take his eyes off the road for as long as it felt like to drink that beer. It seemed like an eternity to like a little six-year-old in the back seat. In the in the back seat. And by the way, that's where I always sat. I always sat right behind my dad. I never called shotgun because I needed to be in a position of power and control. And what that meant was I had to sat right behind my dad and I looked right over his left ear so that I could see the road. Now, I was full of panic driving with my dad as a little girl thinking we're going to die today. All right, car's going to go off the cliff. But then I had the bright idea that I could steer the car from the back seat. So I invented a game, a little imaginary steering wheel and a pedal and a brake. And I would steer the car from the back seat and watch my, through my dad. And if my dad would take his eyes off the road, I would be hypervigilant and steer the car and pretend. And I actually thought, as most five-year-olds are, narcissistic, think they control the universe, right? I thought I did. And I thought, ha-ha, it's up to me to save the family. Kind of like the fixer or the hero personality. But again, the control is just born out of that fear. It comes from that fearful place. If I let you do your thing, you are going to fuck it up. So I have to take it over. And again, you go in your whole life, deepening that pattern, grooving that pattern out. Or if you had controlling parents that told you how to think, feel, behave on a regular basis, you could be enacting that pattern on your children especially if you have an addiction in your household. You might find that you're in control of everything all the time. And you feel like if you let somebody, now this is real. I remember many times thinking if I didn't control the situation, bad things were going to happen. But here's the lie. You think, and I thought, that I was preventing bad things from happening. Did I? Not really. Still drove drunk, just had the illusion of control. Control isn't real. There is no control, but as a child, and certainly until we get this message, even as an adult, we still believe in the illusion of control. And then when we're in our relationships, it becomes a real problem. Other people that you're with feel controlled by you. They feel that energy and they can't come up for air because you're, you're always on top of everything all the time. And I know not just for them, it's an issue, but isn't it exhausting for you? Don't you feel tired, that hypervigilance all the time? And even when you think you're not hypervigilance, just not wanting to do things outside of your comfort zone, not feeling like you can take risks, wanting to do, put yourself out there and do something, but you can't control the outcome, so you just don't do anything at all because it scares you to death to think about being out of control. This pattern can run so deep that it affects not just our relationships, it affects our business. If you're an entrepreneur, um, it, 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 wanting to speak a message. Now, if you hear my cuckoo clock in the background, sorry about that. But as a controller, me even wanting to put myself out there and uh, put my thoughts and ideas out into the world. And when I invented the attachment personality patterns, that was a big thing for me to put that work out into the world. I couldn't control the outcome of that. You know, I didn't know if people were going to receive it. There turns out you guys love it. And that's such a blessing because you love to, to, to identify and see how this codependency fits into your life and explains it in a real world way. But I didn't know that putting it out there. And that was a real act of surrender. Now, surrender to a controlling type personality is like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, surrender. What the fuck is that? I don't think so. Right. Cause that's, that creates immense amount of fear and a controller will have problems spiritually because surrendering is part of that process. Uh, wow. I don't know if God can even do it better than me. I think I can do it better than God. You know, it's really that egoic kind of 
hang on, hanging on to the idea that it's got to be all up to you and nobody else is going to be able to do it. I, the other day, this controller lives so deep in the body. My husband had been wanting me to do an activity with him for a long time. And I don't want to get into the details of it because um, I don't want the video, be some of the language I'm using in the video to get flagged for something that it's not. But he took me to a shooting range. And basically you can imagine what happens at a shooting range. And all of a sudden I had a class A traumatic response meltdown. The bangs were going off and all this, you know, I, I suffer from complex post-traumatic stress. That is what happens. It's a form of PTSD whenever you're subjected to long-term abuse and hurt and and then you know it's a whole thing if you're curious about how to rectify some of that or understand some of it let me give you this book is the is is such a great book complex ptsd from surviving to thriving pete walker who's like the foremost expert on this this book is a life changer a game changer i mean every page is highlighted underlined starred um so i recommend that you get that for your reading and your healing but anyway, I had a trauma response. Why? Because I was out of control. I didn't know where things were coming from and I couldn't control it. And all of a sudden that lack of control just completely manifested in crying, hyperventilating and having to use my tools in that moment in order to calm that trauma response down and get rooted back in the present moment where I'm totally safe. You know, really giving up control is coming to the understanding that you're safe. But a controlling person doesn't really understand that. They see people as threats. They see situations they're not familiar with as threats. And so they want to be in control of their environment at all times. Again, they don't put themselves in situations. Um, controlling people will have like a fortress in your house where it's like the outside world is all intruders and the inside are like your people. And you just want to keep everything safe. And again, you don't go exploring. You don't try on new things because that means you're out of control. The perfectionist is extremely controlling too, and we'll make another video about that. But I just wanted to come today and give you a base level understanding of this. When you dive into these personalities, they are deep. You know, they, they're, that's why we're expanding our book. Right now, you can go on uh, lovecoachheidi.com and download the bones of the attachment personality book and have access to that. But this whole year, I've been partnering up and working with somebody to flesh out that book because it has so much rich content to be able to really flesh out these personalities. Why? Well, I want you to be able to identify your true self is what I really want. And, and my, my philosophy is the only way you can find out who you really are is to, is to really figure out who you're not. And that requires taking a look at who you've been that doesn't align with your true self, your true essence. Because again, your true self has no control. It's, it's just completely, it's complete and total surrender. Uh, it doesn't hold on to any ego at all, but we have to start to take a look at those patterns so we can strip away the lies that we once believed that made us believe we have to be in control today as a present adult, because a lot of us are acting out a script that we wrote when we were seven. We're acting out a script. We're playing a role in life from a script we wrote from a play when we were 10 years old. It's time to update the script. It's time to invent new characters. It's 
time to take away the characters that don't work anymore and the controller is a character that you've been playing in your life that it's time to discard and let go of be appreciative and grateful thank you so much controller you saved me as a kid you know you helped me be okay in my life but now you're hurting me you're hurting my relationships it's hurting me not to be able to surrender i'm full of overwhelm i'm full of anxiety i'm full of just complete and total exhaustion from feeling like it's me it's me it's only me and it always has to be me all the time you know i'd love to learn how to let somebody come in and give up some of that control i'd like to find a true partner in my life somebody who can come alongside of me and just be with me and help me and contribute to my life i'd like to be able to give up power a little bit and put and put power in other people's hands and see what they can do right that's the prayer of the controller but in order to live into that prayer you know it's a co-creative experience you need to participate in your own recovery and that's what life school is about love yourself first empowerment school and the capital s self your true self right so if you're interested in that and learning how to dive delve into this material start to excavate and uncover your true self how to release control, how to not be so hypervigilant, how to calm down those trauma responses that still live in our bodies and, you know, source up the root of those things. And I want you to consider taking the next step. You know, awareness is awesome, but our aim, AIM, is to put that awareness in motion. It's to take that information and start to walk it in your everyday life. That's what we're about here. It's one thing to know something, it's completely different to do it. And the greatest gap in life, as many people have said, is between knowing and doing. And I aim to help you fill that gap. I love you so much. Take excellent care of yourself. Like the video, subscribe, comment. It helps us help more people. Talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.